Bibles, go to Philippians chapter number three. We're going to continue our series on recharge. <clears throat> We've gone a couple weeks and studying different passages, and uh, we studied the first week on Psalm 42 and how it is that we are to recharge after going through a time of sorrow in our life. And then last week we, we talked about how is it that we recharge in a time of distress when things just aren't going uh, the way they, we thought they were going to go. And we saw in the life of David how he was able to recharge in a, in a time in his life where uh, there was a lot going on and there's a lot of distress, the Bible says, in his life. And we see he was able to recharge from that. But this, uh, this morning, uh, I want to talk about how is it exactly that we stay recharged. And in uh, the book of Philippians, chapter number 3, we're going to be studying a portion of scripture from uh, the Apostle Paul as he wrote this letter to the church at Philippi. And I believe he shares some important truths about uh, this idea of staying recharged. And so... Uh, if you have your Bible, go ahead and open Philippians chapter number 3, and uh, we'll be reading verses 12, 13, and 14. And may I say this morning, if you've not received a bulletin, uh, in the bulletin you'll find the notes for the message, and it's just a way in which you can follow along as we study God's Word together. So if you don't have that, uh, just raise your hand and the ushers will get one right to you. And that way you can follow along. All the scriptures that we're going to be studying will be there in your notes. And, of course, all the points that we uh, will be learning about will be there. So if you've not received that, just raise your hand and the ushers will uh, help you uh, and, and get a bulletin and the notes to you right away. Philippians chapter 3, verse number 12, <clears throat> says like this. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. This passage, we want to learn this morning how it is that we're going to stay recharged. Once God begins to work in our life and gets us in a place where we're once again strengthened, how is it that we stay in that strength? And I believe this passage tells a lot about how just to do that. So before we get in, into that and dive into uh, the message this morning, why don't we pray and ask God for his guidance and leading in this. Then we'll hear uh, a special and get right into the message. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word and thank you for allowing us this morning to be here. Father, I pray that as we study your word, I pray that you would fill me with your spirit. I pray that what is said this morning would be uh, to the furtherance of your truth and your gospel. I pray that, Father, as, as we uh, grow in your word this morning, that your Holy Spirit would lead each and every one of us. May our hearts be ready to receive your word. This morning, Father, I pray that you would fill me with your spirit, that I might be able to communicate the message that you have laid on my heart with clarity and with purpose, and that, Father, it would accomplish all that you have sent it out to do. So, Father, we pray that you would just speak to us even this morning, and we ask all of this in Jesus' precious name. Thank you. 
This morning, the word recharge means to return to a normal state of mind or strength after a period of physical or mental exertion. When you're going to recharge as a person, it means just returning to that normal state of, of mental and physical strength after a time where obviously your physical and mental strength have drained out. Now, in the Christian life, there are times where we need to be recharged. And we've looked at some of those already, but the reason that we need to be recharged in the Christian life is because we're in a constant battle all the time. In fact, Ephesians chapter 6, Paul tells the church at Ephesus, he says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. He says, because uh, we need to put on the whole armor of God, because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities against powers against the rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places paul says in the christian life we're in the middle of a battle we're in the middle of a war whether we realize it or not the war is something real it's something uh, that is not just a physical war but really a spiritual war and in that war just like in the physical realm we get tired after uh, exercising and, and fighting and battling, the same thing happens in our spiritual life. 
And that's why Paul was telling the church at Ephesus, listen, you've got to be strong. You've got to get uh, in a place where God can uh, strengthen you and can maintain you strong for this fight. Now, as we go along in the Christian life, we'll, we'll always have times where we need to recharge, where we need to get our strength, but there's also going to be times where we need to keep that strength. Now, if I may, I'd like to sort of illustrate this. I have right here in my hand a iPhone XS, and most of you uh, have a cell phone. Some of you have the same uh, kind of iPhone as well. Some of you have Samsung and other iPhones, and let's just be honest, they're all pretty much the same, right? Uh, but it's amazing what you can do with an iPhone or with any kind of cell phone today. You know, with this phone, uh, I can check email anywhere I'm at. As long as I have signal, I can check my email. I don't have to be at a computer. I don't have to be anything like that anywhere near something of that magnitude. I can check it here. Do you know with your phone, you can check the news. I know what's going on almost as it happens. Instantly, you can get re uh, notifications. I get them uh, all the time throughout the day, and I can find out what's going on on the other side of the world. Uh, I, can, I can read whatever's happening and read articles. I can read the news with, from this very phone. You know, I can take pictures from this phone. Anything that I want to remember, if I'm at a, at a special event or a special occasion, I, I can start taking pictures with this phone. I can communicate with people on this phone. I can call people any, any time of the day, as long as their phone is working, I can dial their number and talk to them right away. I can send text messages to them if they can't talk because they're at work. All right, then I can send them a text message uh, through this phone. Uh, I can watch TV on this phone. Uh, I can control my TV from this phone. It, it's amazing all that we can do with this phone. I mean, you can literally do almost anything. But if you've done some of those things or all of those things, you know that after a while from using your phone all day, checking your email and sending text messages and getting on social media and reading the news and taking pictures and watching TV, after doing all of that, there'll come a point in time where the phone will lose its charge. And when it loses its charge, there's one thing you have to do. You have to recharge it. If you want to use it the next day, you have to recharge your phone. Now, there are certain things you've got to do, though, if you're going to recharge your phone. The first thing is you've got to find a cord with an input that actually goes for your phone. Right? If you have an iPhone, it's this input. I don't even know what called like a lightning input or something like that. Anybody know what it's called? Yes, that's what it is. <laughs> that's the input you got to find. But once you find that input, you put it in the phone, it still doesn't recharge. Because what you need is you're going to need an adapter that goes from a USB into a wall socket adapter. So you get the cord, you get the right input, then you have to put the USB into the wall socket here adapter. After you put it in the adapter, it's still not going to charge. Because now you've got to find a socket, a socket that has power, and then you can plug it in. And as soon as you plug it in, the phone begins to charge. Now here's what's important when you're recharging your phone, just in case you don't know this, I, I need to put it out there for you. Once you plug it in and the phone starts recharging, you've got to leave it there for a little while. It can't be like 30 seconds, because if you just do it for 30 seconds and unplug it, not much difference is going to be seen in your battery. In fact, it, it may not even last too much longer after that. 
What you do is you leave it plugged in for a certain amount of time, sometimes an hour, sometimes two hours, depending on how the phone is, and then it'll get fully recharged. And once it gets fully recharged, you know what you can do? You can disconnect it from the plug from, where, from wherever it's at, and after you disconnect it, you carry it with you and it keeps its charge. As you use it throughout the day, you don't have to keep coming back to it every 30 seconds to recharge. It keeps its charge. And now you can use it and check your email and, and send text messages and watch TV and, and do all that you're going to do because now the phone is charged. Now, in the Christian life, it's the same way. There are times where you need to get recharged, where you need to get your strength again because you're just physically, that's it, drained and mentally and spiritually drained. So you need to get recharged, and you do. And we talked a little bit about that last two weeks, uh, how you get back to God and, and how God can recharge you in your life. But then the question is, how do you remain recharged? How do you go now the rest of the time in your Christian life saying, I've got the strength that I need, and now I can just move forward? How do you stay recharged in the Christian life? Well, here in Philippians chapter 3, I believe that the Apostle Paul shares with us some truths that will help us to stay recharged in our life. Listen, it's my goal that throughout this summer we can stay recharged for God. But how we do it is important, just like how you recharge your phone is important. Finding the right input and finding the adapter and finding a socket where you can plug it in and taking the time for it to refill. All of that is important so that your phone is ready to be used again the next day. The same thing happens in the Christian life. Once we get recharged, now how do we remain charged for God? How do we do that? Well, here in the book of Philippians, we find that the Apostle Paul is writing this church, which is in Philippi. Now, Philippi was in Greece, and it was a church that Paul started. And I believe there's a map, uh, and, and on the map you'll see in the top left-hand corner there, uh, in Greece, there's that city called Philippi. I know it's really tiny, you can't really quite see it, but uh, you see where the purple is. If you look a little bit to the left of where the purple is on the map, you'll see the first city there is Philippi. And Paul, on his second missionary journey, traveled through many different cities, and one of them was Philippi. And there at Philippi, he, uh, he began to share the gospel with people. And, and uh, in fact, it was first with just two ladies that he met. And those uh, ladies, he gave them the gospel. And from there, they began to share the gospel with others. And, and eventually, a church was established there. And it was a church that was a good church, a church that really loved the Apostle Paul. Later in Paul's life, there came a point where they put him in prison because he was a Christian because he was sharing his faith. In fact, the book of Philippians was written from prison. Paul, talk about being uh, needing a, a recharge. Paul is in prison for being a Christian. He had been beaten because of his faith, and now he's been imprisoned because of his faith. And if, if there's anyone that needed a recharge or knows at least what being recharged by God is all about, it's the Apostle Paul. And he's writing to the Philippians, and he's, he's telling them thank you. They were the, one of the churches that actually sent support to him, that helped him financially, that helped him physically. And, and he was writing to them saying thank you. And then he was sharing with them the joy that is found in being a Christian. Now, I don't know about you, but I can imagine that if I was in a, in a dirty, rotten prison cell, it would be hard for me to find the joy in that. 
Yet Paul was a man that found joy in that. In that place, he writes in Philippians 4, 4, Rejoice in the Lord uh, always, and again I say, rejoice. Paul was saying to them, listen, there's, there's a reason to be joyful in your Christian life, even when things seem to be going bad. There's a reason to be joyful. And you can still have strength from the Lord, and you can still move forward being fully charged for God, and you can find joy even in the darkest of places. Even from a prison cell in Philippi, you can find joy. And so Paul is writing to them, and, and I believe that he shares some things with them of how they can have that joy remaining, how they can have that charge remaining in them. And that's what I want to share with you this morning. Just three ways here in these verses that you can find, as Paul shares with the Christians at Philippi, how they can remain charged for God. I want you to notice, first of all, in verse number 12, that Paul writes, he says, Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. The first principle on staying charged for God is this. Number one, you need to have a humble mind. Paul's going to share a mindset with them. He says, listen, joy and being charged for God doesn't come from our circumstances. It comes from our attitude. The joy that you experience in your life is not going to come because you have uh, uh, some nice house or some nice car or some nice paying job. That's not where joy comes from. Joy comes from our attitude in our job and the attitude in the home in which God has given us and the attitude in which the vehicle that God has given to us. The attitude that we have really will change and, and, and show us if we're going to be joyful or not. And so the first mindset that Paul says is, if you're going to remain charged with the Lord, you need to have a humble mind. Now, to be humble-minded is to view yourself as God would view you. Let me say that again. To be humble-minded, what I'm saying by that is this. You need to view yourself the way God views you. The way that God views you. One of the things that Paul shares with them, he says, listen, uh, I want you to know I don't feel like I've already attained and I, I don't feel like I've already arrived in my Christian life. You know, sometimes we can have that kind of attitude. The attitude that says, you know what, I, I, I'm already so nice to people, I don't have to work on loving people. I, I just, I already love everybody. And sometimes we can think, I, I don't have to work on giving, or I don't have to work on saying kind words, or I don't have to work on forgiving. I do that so well now. And sometimes it comes to that in our Christian life where we, we kind of have that kind of mentality. I don't need to read my Bible anymore. I've read it so many times I know it. I don't need to send, spend time in prayer. I already know what God thinks about everything, and, and I really don't need to spend time in that. And without really realizing it, many times we, we have an attitude of we've already arrived in our Christian life. We know all there is to know about the Christian life. And Paul says, you know, that kind of mindset is the wrong kind of mindset. That's a prideful mind. He said, you can't live the Christian life and stay charged for God with pride in your life. You have to have some humility. You need to be humble-minded. Now, having this humble mind Trying to view yourself as God would view you helps you to realize that what you need in your life is always to be growing. Spiritual maturity. Listen, I don't care if you're a Christian 
that is only two years and you've only been a Christian uh, for two years, the last two years, or if you've been a Christian for 25 years or 35 years, you know God wants us to keep growing. He doesn't say once you are a Christian for 10 years, it really doesn't matter if you come to church anymore. It's up to you. The Bible doesn't say if you know and if you've memorized at least five chapters of the Bible, you don't need to read your Bible anymore. You know all that you need to know about the Bible. No. The Word of God says we need to be growing constantly. And someone that has a humble mindset is one that realizes I still need to mature. That's what Paul is talking about, by the way, in this verse. He's telling the, the Christians at Philippi, listen, we need to, to have some spiritual maturity in, your, in, in our life. And that's what he says when he says, I have not apprehended it. I haven't gotten there yet. I, haven't, I don't believe that I'm already the most mature Christian ever. He says, I realize that I still need to grow. He said, I, I haven't gotten there yet. So what does a, high, a, a humble mind say? And, 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 and what is something that a humble mind doesn't do? It doesn't do this. It doesn't allow for complacency. If you're going to be humble-minded, you're going to have to understand that means I can't be complacent in my Christian life. Did you know it's natural for us to be complacent? That's a natural human thing to do and to be. After a while, uh, it's in our fallen nature just to simply become complacent. That means to be comfortable where we're at. Nobody likes to be uncomfortable. That's why we don't like change very much. If you're, if you're used to doing a, a things a certain way at work and then the manager comes in and says, oh, we're not going to do it that way anymore. We're going to do it this way. You know what we usually do as employees? We're like, why? It's working just fine this way. Why do we have to change? And you know, really, many times we're against the change, not because it's harder to do. Many times we're against the change just because it makes us uncomfortable. Because we've already been complacent in the way we do things, in the way that we look at things. And Paul says, listen, in your Christian life, you can, you can get to a point where you're very complacent. Where you say... There's nothing for, uh, else for me to do. In our walk with God, we naturally, listen, don't want to push ourselves to keep growing. We don't. That's why you can find Christians that come every Sunday morning and nothing ever changes in their life. That's why you can find Christians that, uh, they, though they've had 15 years of being a Christian, they know about the same amount of Bible 15 years later than they did the first year when they got saved. Because at some point, they begin to get real complacent. And if you read the scriptures, you'll find that over and over, God reminds us, listen, don't be complacent. Peter told uh, those that he was teaching, those uh, that were spread about, he says in 2 Peter 3.18, but grow in grace. That's an active verb. He's, he's telling you, it's like, it's like almost a command. He's saying, listen, you need to grow in grace. And let me just say that Paul or Peter here isn't just talking to those new Christians that just don't join the church. He's talking to everyone. He's saying we all need to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In Ephesians 6.10, he tells, uh, Paul writes to those at Ephesus, he says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. What is he saying? He's saying, listen, don't let complacency begin to set in in your life. If you're going to remain charged for God, listen, you've got to be ready all the time to say, I, I, I'm okay, I'm going to be, I, I'm okay with change. 
I'm okay in my Christian life that there are going to be times where it's not going to be as comfortable as it used to be. You know, there are many in here that help in our children's ministry. And every week they take time to prepare a lesson, to prepare games, to prepare snacks and everything for their class. And they come on Sunday morning and they're ready to give a class and to teach these children the word of God. Let me just say, because they chose to do that, that means throughout their week they had to change something. That means they had to maybe stop watching TV as much so they could get their lesson prepared or stop reading as much or being on the phone as long or texting as, as long and, and as much as they did before because they had to take time to prepare. And sometimes that's uncomfortable. And sometimes we don't serve God because we're totally complacent and, and we don't want to take the time to just say, I need to change and I need to grow. Sometimes we begin to make changes here at our church, and it wasn't too long ago, and many of you can remember that we didn't even have a check-in for our kids. And now we have what we call kid check, and, and now if you have children that are in the children's program, as you come in, you register them, and it, it helps the teacher to know who they are, and it helps us to find their parents when the service is over, and, it, and it's something that really makes us a little bit more effective as a church to, to uh, really minister to the people of our city, and yet sometimes that comes into play and people go, well, why do you have to do that? I've been coming to this church for five years. The teacher already knows my kids. I don't like this change. You know what? Usually that is a sign of complacency. A lack of spiritual maturity. And Paul says, listen, I'm not, I'm not up here and I'm not writing to you saying, oh, I've already arrived. Listen, there's so much I still need to grow in. He said, I haven't apprehended it yet. But listen, my mindset is to see that there's still a lot for me to grow. The way I'm going to stay charged in this prison is to realize there's still a lot for me to, to learn from God. He had a humble mind. That means not allowing himself uh, to be complacent. But let me tell you what it is allowing when you have a humble mind. And that is allowing yourself to be collaborative. Collaborative. You'll notice on the second half of verse 12, Paul says, listen, I haven't gotten there yet. I'm not saying I arrived. I'm not saying that I'm the spiritual giant. But here's what I have learned. He said, I've learned that in my Christian life, it's a collaborative effort. Now, there's a lot of new theology today that says, well, uh, we can't do anything in and of ourselves. And I agree with that. You know, we can't do anything in and of ourselves, uh, but we need God to do everything. And that's where I disagree. Now, we need God in our lives. Absolutely. And there's nothing in and above ourselves that we can do that is great, absolutely. But so many times as Christians, this theology has taken so many uh, minds today of saying, well, I don't have to do anything. I can live however I want. I can do whatever I want. And God is the one that's in charge of, you know, changing me. God is the one in charge of doing everything. But we see in scriptures that's not what the principle is. Now, there's the opposite that happens sometimes. We, we get into our Christian life, and we think we're the ones that have to do everything. And we don't take time to pray, and we don't take time to seek God's face on anything, and we don't take time to seek godly counsel out. We kind of feel like, I already know it all. And in that case, now you're not collaborating with God. You're saying, I can do it all in of myself. And that attitude is wrong just as much as the other attitude that says, well, God's got to do everything. I'm not doing anything. That's also wrong. 
That's why Paul says this. He says, listen, I haven't apprehended it yet. I haven't gotten there on my spiritual maturity. I'm still growing. But here's what I'm following after. He says that I might apprehend it. I'm going after it. I want to have that spiritual, spiritual maturity in my life. Because let me tell you, that's what God saved me for. Now, if you're a Christian this morning, let me tell you. Do you know why Christ saved you? You say, oh, to keep me out of hell. That's not why he saved you. Now, that's a, a nice bonus, if you will. But the death on the cross and the salvation that Christ offers is more than just fire insurance this morning. Do you know that God has a plan for you? Ephesians chapter 1 says that God has saved us that we might be made into the image of Christ. In other words, God wants us growing and looking more and more Christ-like in our life. In other words, we ought to love people the way Christ loved people. We ought to forgive like Christ forgave. Now, we ought to live our life as Christ lived it when he was here. He gave us the perfect example of what it means to be growing. And so this morning... When you have a humble mindset, it's saying, listen, I can't live the Christian life without God, but God cannot change me if I'm not doing anything different. And that's what Paul was saying. Paul was saying, listen, I haven't apprehended it. I'm going after it, though, because that's why Christ apprehended me. That's why Christ got a hold of me, so that he can change me, so he can grow me, so that I can have spiritual maturity in my life. You know, there's a lot of Christians nowadays that are not fulfilling why God saved them. They think the Christian life is all about what I do. And as long as I can do this religious checklist, then I'm okay. But that's not what God saved us for. God saved us this morning so that we can grow into spiritual maturity. If you're a parent here this morning, you know that when your, chil uh, your child was born, you knew that that child wasn't going to stay a little newborn baby for the rest of its life. In fact, as a parent... One of our responsibilities is to nurture them as they're growing up. It's no surprise to any parent here when their child gets to a certain age and finds someone else and says, Mom and Dad, I'd like to marry this person. No parent goes, what? You're not going to live with me the rest of your life? No, we say, this is why we raised them. Usually that, that parent goes, yes, go get married. Give me some grandkids. I'm ready for grandkids. They want that growth. And, and any time there's someone that says, I don't want to grow, any time there's a child uh, that says, I don't want to learn anymore, there's something wrong in that child, is there not? Listen, we come to church, but just because we come to church doesn't mean that we're growing. But this is the place where we grow. I'll put it this way. Just because you go to school doesn't mean that you're a good scholar, Right? Everyone has gone to school and had a classmate or two that doesn't study and doesn't do their homework and doesn't pass the test. Now, should we say, oh, don't go to school because you don't learn anything? No, the school is the place to learn. And the classroom is where the teacher teaches us new things. But if that student doesn't take his part and his responsibility to learn and apply himself, it does him no good that he's there at school. The same thing happens in our Christian life. 
This is the place to grow. You need to get connected in one of our uh, uh, Sunday schools and, and get connected with those in our church and, and begin to grow. But let me tell you something. If you're just coming, but you're not getting connected and you're not applying yourself, you're not going to grow. That means you're not going to be charged for God because you lack a humble mindset. See, a humble mindset, it allows you to be collaborative. It makes you realize I can't be complacent in my life. Let me share with you a second truth really quickly about being charged for God. Verse number 13, Paul says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. If you're going to be one that is staying charged for God, you're not only going to have to be humble-minded, you're going to have to be narrow-minded. Now, I know that sounds a little bit harsh today because we think of narrow-minded as someone that's not open, doesn't want to listen to ideas, thinks that knows it all. That's not what I mean by narrow-minded. But when you look at what Paul writes here, he says, this one thing I do, he was focused on one thing. The one thing in his life was to grow spiritual maturity. And he said, this one thing I do. D.L. Moody, an evangelist, reading this passage, commented, and he said, I've noticed that Paul wrote this one thing I do, not these 40 things I dabble in. And in the Christian life, if you're going to stay charged for God, you're going to have to be focused on that one thing. That's why Paul says this one thing I do. You see, when we become narrow-minded, then we stop living in the past. That's why Paul says, forgetting those things which are behind. Listen, we ought not to allow our past to stop us from moving forward for Christ. Can I say, this includes our past failures. And sometimes it's our failures that really hold us back from going forward. The memories of the shortcomings and the flaws that we've had. And, and sometimes that, that comes back and the devil uses that. And, and so many times even our own flesh uses that to try to deter us from moving forward. You know, it reminds me of this uh, lady that I heard about who was walking to work. And as she was walking to work, she passed this pet shop. Passing this pet shop, there was a, a bird at the window there. And as she's going by, the bird, the parrot calls out to her and she says, Hey, lady! You're really ugly. She looked at that parent. Wow. That didn't obviously make her feel any better. And she just walked right to her work and did her work throughout the day, still remembering that parrot and what he said. Then she's walking back after work to her home, and she passes that same pet store and dares that parrot again. And as she's walking by, the parrot goes, Hey, lady, you are really ugly. Now the lady's really bothered. Now she's kind of thinking of how she could torture this parrot as she kills it. And she's sort of mad about it. And she goes home and she eats her dinner and she tries to sleep, doesn't sleep very well, still thinking about what that parrot said, still angry about, uh, about that parrot and gets up the next day and starts walking to work again. And there again is that parrot at that same pet store. And she's walking by and the parrot goes, hey, lady, you are really ugly. Now she's mad. That's it. She storms into the store. I want to know who the owner is. Who's the owner of the store? The owner comes out. That parrot over there has been telling me every time I walk by that I am ugly. That is a very rude uh, parrot. And if it continues, I'm going to sue this store for, for, for what it's saying to me. And I'm going to make sure that I make sure I close out this store. And I'm going to get that bird. And I'm going to kill it myself. If I hear that bird once, 
even one more time tell me that I'm ugly, I'm telling you I'm going to come back and you're going you're to get sued. The owner said, oh, I'm so sorry, ma'am, that bird, you know, I, I don't know why that bird say that. I'm going to talk to that bird. So the owner went and talked to the bird, and he comes back and he says, ma'am, I assure you, and the bird has assured me he's not going to say it anymore. We do apologize, and uh, I'm, I'm really sorry for this. She said, okay, it better not happen again. She walks to work and does her whole work day feeling good. She finally got that parrot to zimmer down, right? So she's walking back home later that night, and she walks past the pet store, and there's that bird again. And the bird says, hey, lady. She says, what? The bird looks at him and goes, you know. <laughs> you know, when it comes to our past failures, that happens. You know, sometimes we can think about things and the devil will bring back to your memory the way that you messed up and the way that you let God down and he just says, you know, you know. And suddenly that mindset, instead of being focused on that one thing, begins to wander off on things that really shouldn't matter. Anymore. If there's anyone that needed to forget, it was the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was a persecutor of the church, one that had divided families and killed families. If there's anyone that needed to stop, it was Paul. That could, could remember the past and, and, and could maybe be stopped by his past, it was Paul. But he said, you know what I've learned? That I need to be a lot more focused and narrow-minded. I just need to, to show and, and, and think about this, this one thing. I've got to forget those things which are behind. You know, sometimes it's not just failure. Sometimes it's victories. Sometimes the past victories in our life can stop us from moving forward. I enjoy, I have on my computer some of the pictures from our church from the 80s and the 90s. And if you, if you look in, in our, at our property there on 453 Citriana Drive in Mission, Texas, the church there is right behind Castro Elementary and, and Luby's. And if you look there, you find pictures in the, in the history that we have of, of how we built. And we built uh, a few things over there. We built a, an extension on our building. And, and uh, we, we had to do so many things because we began to outgrow our property so quickly. And, and we built a storage to store all of our things. And we built a, a back uh, uh, building that attached to the existing building where we had classroom for all the kids. And... And, and there was a lot that happened there that God was blessing in a great way. And it was awesome. I, I, was, I was privileged to live through all of that. And, and I can look back and I look at those pictures and, and I can see men uh, like, like Brother Ibarra that's back there uh, in, our, in a wheelchair. And I can see pictures of him helping to paint and put the blocks and, and doing all that he did. And, and, and so many other men, and many that have been here for 20 and 30 years that, that were just being faithful and, and, and seeing victories happen at our church. And we're part of those victories. But you know, if you're not careful, you can get stuck in that past. You can get stuck saying, well, that's what we got to come back to, to that method. And you know, it's not really the method that made that so great. Sometimes people go, well, we just got to keep building buildings. You know, it's not really the buildings that made the difference. But it was the mindset of the people that build those buildings that made the difference. You say, I, I'm thankful that there was a group of, of men in our church and people in our church that said, listen, we're not going to just be 
okay with this one building. But listen, as God continues to bless and as we continue to grow, we want to keep moving forward for God. We've got to make the changes we've got to make so God can keep working like he's working. Because there's one thing for us, and that's for us to grow. There's one thing for us, and that's Jesus Christ. Let me tell you, uh, success is a moving target, but Jesus Christ is a fixed goal. And we find that as we have the right kind of mindset, we can stay charged and say, listen, it's all about God. It's all about Christ in my life. It's about Christ molding me and changing me. This is the one thing for me. I'm going to forget those failures in the past. I'm going to forget the victories, and I'm just going to move forward for God. I want you to notice that that narrow mindset isn't just simply allowing yourself or stop living in the past, but it also means to stay active in the present. He says, and reaching forth until those things which are before. If we're going to stay recharged, we must remain focused on what God has told us to do now. That word before, it's the Greek word emprosthen, which means that which is in front of you. That which is present in front of you. Now, there in your notes, you'll find Matthew 5.16 is, is there. Matthew 5.16 says, let your light so shine before men. That word before is the same word as here in Philippians 3. Jesus is saying, let your good works be in the presence of other people so that they might see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. That's what he's saying, in the presence of. Paul is saying, listen, as you're forgetting those things that are behind, as you stop living in the past, you need to stay active in the present. In other words, yes, there's men that have gone off the scene, but we need a new generation to rise up and say, hey, God, I'm ready to move forward. Whatever changes we need to make now in our church, I'm ready. Any sacrifices that I need to make, I'm ready. I'm moving forward for this one thing that I do. I stay out of that past, but I stay active in the present. What is it that God is calling you to do, I wonder? God was calling Moses to lead his people. Moses made all excuses. Well, they're not going to believe me. Exodus chapter 4, verse 1. Moses said, look, they're not going to believe me. They're not going to say that you appear to me. And it says there in verse 2, and the Lord looked at Moses and he said to Moses, he says, what is in thy hand? The narrow mindset says, what is in your hand right now? What are you doing right now for God? What are you actively pursuing? I want you to notice, thirdly, this morning we need to have a humble mindset, but we also, we need to have an eternal mindset. Be eternally minded. Notice in verse 14, he said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. If you're going to stay recharged, we're going to have to have a mind that sees the big picture. Don't just get caught up in the here and now, but understand how the here and now affects the later, the big picture. See, Paul's mindset was, I haven't gotten there yet. I'm still growing. I hope that you have the mindset that you're still growing. And then you're going to have to forget some things and you're going to have to move forward, focus on that one thing, which is growth, which is spiritual maturity, which is more of Christ in me. And then he said, and look where that's going to lead you. And he says, pursue that. The word I press means to pursue. And let me tell you, that just means pursue. It means to pursue intensely. The Greek word there is the word that they would use when they would go hunting. 
and they were following after their prey, and they said, hey, you've got to get after it hard. You've got to be intense about it. That's what he means. And Paul said, this is what I'm intense about, to get to that goal. Let me ask you something this morning. What are you intense about? I read a book a couple weeks ago on a man by the name of Pete Maravich, and I have his picture just in case uh, you, you want to know who he is. Pete Maravich was a player for LSU. He was Steph Curry before Steph Curry for some of you younger generation. Pete Maravich scored 44 points a game before there was even a three-point line. They say if he would have had a three-point line from the distance that he was shooting, he probably would have scored more than 55 points a game. That's pretty impressive. If you're not into sports, I don't know how to relate that. But it's, it's just, it's, it's very, very impressive. A record, he holds the record for most points scored in a, in a college career, and it's not going to be broken anymore. Uh, it's amazing. But in the book, it was talking about how, how Pete would practice from 12 to 15 hours a day. He would work on his dribbling. There are, there are dribbling skills, and, and if, if you even read a little bit about Steph Curry, he talks about Pete Maravich and some of the drills, and you can find them online, drills that will help your dribbling. His, he was doing things. Pete Maravich was doing things that no one had ever seen before. Some of the backward passes, through the leg passes, he had a pass where he would, he would go like this, and the ball would end up over there. And, and the way he would do it, he, he shows it in his video. He did it so quickly that he would kind of spin the ball so quick where it would bounce here and go that way, so quick. Uh, there are stories about him, how he would get in the car with his dad, and his dad would begin to drive, and he said, open the door so you can dribble. And he'd be dribbling at, at three and four miles an hour. I mean, this was a man that was completely intense, and he shared in the book, he said, man, I was so intense about getting better in basketball, about dribbling and shooting. 12 to 15 hours a day. He said they, the teachers would just pass me because I could play basketball. He said his grades were, were terrible. He, he wasn't even going to be able to go into college, and, and his dad got this coaching position at LSU, and he got there, and that's the only reason. He was amazing. He said, I want to be the first basketball player to have a contract worth a million dollars, and he was when he came out of college. And he said, this is what I pursued. So intense about it. And this is what Paul is saying in verse 14. He said, I'm, I'm intense about this. I wonder this morning, what are you intense about? Are you intense about what's going to happen in eternity? You know, what we do here impacts our eternity. That's why Paul said, that's why I'm going for it. Then I want you to notice that eternally minded means looking to obtain God's reward. Looking to obtain God's reward. He says, for the, high, the prize of the high calling, for the prize of the high calling which is in Christ Jesus Paul says there's something that we're looking forward to something to grasp and to get you know God is a rewarder of our faith Hebrews 11:6 talks about this Revelation 22 the Bible says that when Jesus comes he will give to each and every one their reward that's why we got to be intense about it that's why we got to be in a mindset that is eternal. We've got to stay charged. Why? There's something at the end. There is a reward. God is faithful to give that reward. Man, this morning, can I just say, it's so important for us to have the right mindset if we're going to stay charged. 
a mindset that is humble and saying, God, I haven't, I haven't arrived yet, but I, I want to keep growing. Mindset, a mindset that is narrow that says, listen, I've got to stay focused on this one thing. And I'm going to forget the past. I'm going to stay in the present. I'm going to be active in the present. And I'm going to see what's coming for me that's eternally minded. This morning, if you're going to make it through this summer, charge for God. If you're going to retain the charge that God has given you, you're going to have, to have, to right, have the right mindset. A mindset of humility. A mindset of focus there. A mindset that has eternity in mind. I want to encourage you this morning. I want to encourage you. Let's move forward. Let's stay charged this summer for God. Let's just see what God will do. If we all just decide this morning, hey, I'm going I'm to stay charged for God this summer. It'll be the greatest summer of our, of our church history. It really will be. But it's a decision that you've got to make this morning. I wonder, what, what decision are you going to make? When you decide today, I'm going to be charged. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word, and thank you for the truth that we find in your word. Father, how important it is that we, we view in our mind and in our life the importance of just staying at it and staying charged for you. I pray that this morning as we meditate upon the truth of your word, help us to see areas in our life that we just need to forget about and just be a little bit more focused on you. Father, help us to be humble in the way in which we view ourselves not believing that we're already there as Christians, but we, we want to keep growing. Oh, Father, I pray that you would work in every life this morning. And your word have its way in our life. We ask this in Jesus' name.